0: And welcome back to another special edition of VESC, Voices from NCU Students and Alumni Driving Research and Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Barnhart, adjunct in the School of Education here at NCU. I'm very pleased to introduce our next guest, Dr. Allison Moore. She's an NCU alumna uh, and she's joining us today. Uh, Dr. Moore, welcome.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, We always like to start out our podcast uh, here, uh, allowing our guests to tell our listeners, our viewers, a little bit about yourself. So kind of your background, how you're affiliated with NCU, and uh, what you're doing in your career now.
1: Sure. Sure. So I uh, started teaching in 2001 as a special education teacher working at the elementary level. I was a teacher for about five years until I moved into the role of being a learning disability teacher consultant, and I work on a child study team in a public school. So I've been doing that for about 15 years. My position is unique to New Jersey. Um, I was... uh, In 2015, I started at NCU, my uh, doctor of education program in special education, and I had some wonderful professors. And while I was in my coursework, I knew I wanted to do some form of online education once I, I completed that coursework. So I completed the program in 2018. I had an amazing chair, Dr. Linda Bloomberg, who has always inspired me to continue my research and continue learning. She actually uh, recommended me for doing this currently. And so for the past year and a half, I've been an online adjunct instructor at Grand Canyon University, where I'm working online with students who are completing their master's. And I've taught about four to five different courses in special education. And I've grown to really like it. It's my part-time job, but I look forward to doing it and teaching courses throughout the year.
0: Well, and that's great to hear. And and I would say, talk about a great time to get into virtual education, right? Um, and working as an as an, an online instructor in amidst like the the ultimate online learning experience, right? Um, so so and, and that's a great segue. You know, uh, our podcast really focuses on um the practice and the research areas uh, of our alumni and and kind of uh, their um. Uh, you know, how they interact in virtual education. So let's talk a little bit about that, um, you know, use that as a jump off point. Um, In practice, you know, what are some of the things from in virtual learning maybe that you've learned, you know, from your time at NCU, um, from, you know, uh, a great chair like Dr. uh, uh, Bloomberg or, you know, um, just to, um, you know, what kind of uh, practice are you practices or best practices are you using in a virtual classroom now? Whether it's training or you know things to pass on to your students, little tips and tricks, that kind of thing.
1: Well, I feel that it's so important to build a relationship with your students. Whether you're in the classroom, you know, forced to do virtual instruction, have chosen to do virtual learning, um, it's so important to build a rapport with students. And I always go back to the whole time I worked with Dr. Bloomberg, we only spoke on the phone three times, but through our correspondence, whether it be email, text message, um, feedback in the paper, she knew me and I knew her, and I knew she was always there for me and she always responded to me. So that inspired me to make sure I was always there, that I'm always there for my students. Um, And one great thing that, Grand Canyon University does, you'll get feedback from the students once the course is over. And as far as uh, there's a a rating response from the instructor, and a lot of the students will comment that, oh, Dr. Moore gets back to me right away. And I was really happy to see that because working a full-time job sometimes and having a family, sometimes I can't get back to people as quickly as I like, but I'm happy to hear that they feel that um, I'm present in the classroom. And I think that brings to another point that presence, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous when you're working online, um, Grand Canyon does all asynchronous. I feel it's important to have a presence. So not only providing feedback to students or responding to their discussion questions, but providing opportunities. You know, if I'm grading assignments and I see that some students are consistently making errors or as a whole, I feel that maybe students need more resources related to, let's say, uh, APA formatting. I like to provide additional resources because I think in a live classroom, you it's very easy to identify what students need or when they may be lacking, but not being present and together, sometimes that can be missing. So it's really important to be in tune with your students and be present and provide them resources that will help them.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, you know, th- thinking along those lines in terms of this practice, and, and I almost want to say it's like availability, you know, and, and I, I feel that um, even before like uh, COVID and, and being in a virtual format, you know, teaching online, that the be- in, in my experience, you know, I, I have a few degrees that I did 100 percent online as well. My doctorate being one of them, also, uh, and that uh, that feeling of availability, you know, like you said about not speaking on the phone more than maybe a handful of times, but the text messaging and and the email correspondence. So, how has that kind of uh, how have you maybe brought that? best practice or, or even like a philosophy in terms of your approaching your students? Would you say it's more, more of, of than not just like best practice, but something you've ad- adapted or adopted into how you approach education in general?
1: Certainly. So I feel as an educator, I like routines. So I make sure I stay in a routine um, where during the school day when I'm at work, I'm not able to check my email typically or log on to Grand Canyon University. So I make an effort to uh, log in in the morning before I leave for work. And then certainly my email's up once I get home. And I'm just... As much as I can, checking that email, being in that routine, and then I let students know that I'm, uh, you know, I'm more present on the weekends again because I'm home, but that if they didn't hear from me, it might be that I just missed they missed me in that time period, but that they will hear from me soon. Um, I give students multiple ways to contact me, so obviously in the forum through that GCU GCU uses, they use LoudCloud. Uh, there's a form there they can reach out. They can also email me and I do give my phone number and I ask that they just email me to set up a call. Don't just, you know, call me because I might not be available. So I, I do set clear boundaries of when I'm available so that students can reach out to me. Um, and I think it's, I think that's important for a student to know because there's nothing like having an assignment due and you're not sure what to do. Um, that's another thing I like to do is I do weekly we're required to do weekly announcements, but it's not just simply taking the syllabus and cutting and pasting it's giving them a little bit more information that you know might say that three scholarly resources are needed well, here's resources. this is a scholar scholarly resource and remember so just doing simple tricks of underlying highlighting uh, color coding I feel is helpful to students because you know again, these students also have a full-time job, most of them, and are busy. And I think in today's time, sometimes we don't take the time to read every single thing. So that's why I like to highlight and really stress what's important. So this way, you know, maybe I can answer those questions before they even arise. So that's what I'd like to do. One thing I did at NCU, and my advice to all students currently at NCU, is to read the instructions four or five times, read the assignment four or five times, step away from it, read that assignment again, the guidelines and make sure you understand. And then if you don't, certainly reach out to professor. I mean, they'd be happy to answer the question. But sometimes it's important to take that time to read and be sure that you, you know, try to figure out on your own. Because as an online student, you have to be a self-learner.
0: Absolutely. And- I think, um, you know, that kind of philosophy in terms of, you know, we're almost kind of like on demand 24 seven for our students with text, you know, especially if you give your cell phone number out. And, and I found at least in my practice too, is, is that most students don't abuse it, you know, um, they're pretty good about it. And, and, the the amount of times where I've gotten like a very simple text message that might only take a minute or two to answer has resolved a call or email you know what I mean so so being available in that respect I I I have to give credit you know uh, for that philosophy that's great that to see you adopting that and you know delivering it to your to your classroom um we talked about some of the you know you mentioned some of these briefly some of these other resources um what are the the some of the you know maybe you've go-to virtual resources that you share with your students that maybe like some of our current NCU students could use as well?
1: Sure. So most of my students are currently uh, teachers various roles K through 12 and I do like to share um, practices that they can use because still a lot of them are virtual or possibly hybrid but there is certainly a virtual component so programs that they can use for their students free ones are always nice Um, there's a great program called get epic at epic.com. So that's something that students can go on. Teachers can set up classrooms or set up levels for the students, but students can access books online that can be read to them. Um, it tracks their progress, it tracks how many books they've read, they earn badges. So it's nice for the teachers to see. Teachers can also assign books. I feel that that's a great uh, resource to use. I also recommend Khan Academy. Again, another kind of looking at the STEM realm and problem solving. So those are some helpful websites. Uh, For the younger kids, I like, Handwriting Without Tears is a program, but it's called Learning Without Tears, has a lot of great resources for educators. So I'm always looking and I usually in my courses, what I'll do is I'll start a post where I'll share those and ask them to share. And we all we learn from each other. So it's so great that I can bring that back to the teachers I work with. Um, so those are some great um, you know, ways to kind of navigate this virtual world my, uh, a lot of the school districts do use a Google platform. So I am constantly using Google, um, Google Meets, so that again, you know, it's you're face to face with people. Um, one thing I would like to incorporate into my practice is maybe some video lessons or just some video clips, you know, so that my students get to see me and we get to interact. But again, I try to tailor those resources, you know, to, to the population that I'm working with.
0: Those are excellent. And, uh, definitely things that are our, our listeners, hopefully that they'll look into too. I'm a big fan of Khan Academy. Um, uh, you know, it got me through some sticky situations and, uh, <laughs> before I know I definitely, uh, you know, um, promoted heavily to my students as well. Um, This this is kind of off the charts a little bit, but, um, you know, knowing what you know now a year into, you know, online learning, um, is there anything, you know, any challenges that you're looking, that you feel uh, are looking forward to meeting um, or uh, things that you might do a little differently now that you're uh, a whole year in, you know, with this experience in the online platform?
1: Well, I think, you know, I was used to the online learning, the virtual learning prior to this because of my, the, the doctoral program. So I do feel that I had a step ahead of everyone because I was used to that, but I think it's still not important to underestimate not being in a live classroom, uh, working with people. Uh, it's, it's very important to, again, establish that relationship, but I think that related to you know, kind of upcoming issues. A lot of the coursework at uh, Grand Canyon University is field experience. So students aren't still are not able to get into classrooms, or even if the schools are open, they're not letting visitors in. So if a student doesn't have access to a certain population, they're not able to complete a field experience. And we've used supplemental videos, Uh, YouTube videos so that they could maybe observe a ninth grade English class. So I'm always looking for those resources, and I would love to be able to branch out and maybe even work with some of the teachers in my school district. Um, It's hard to have someone just observe, but because we've been virtual and used Google classroom, hopefully this is something that I could pursue and set up because I think it's always great to observe a teacher versus just watching a video that we found online, so I do see that mm-hmm. as a potential problem for maybe not just um, you know just for st- te- you know students and teacher training programs to get that quality hands-on learning experience.
0: Excellent. It sounds like we have a, a good strategy there, and and you know be able to put to put to practice all of this uh, good experience as well. Um, okay. So this is my favorite part of the podcast. It's, it's the most fun question, at least in my opinion. Um, we ask everyone this one too. So, uh, tell us one about one like virtual education hack. What's your one virtual education life hack that you, uh, that you use or you're using, um, and that maybe we could use too and, uh, make our lives a little bit easier as well.
1: Sure. So when I heard that something to make my life easier, um, using google so i I think i came across it because i've used google so much more i think prior to this pandemic it was like google meet what's that what are you talking about um but just exploring google and all the resources it has to offer in uh, if you open up a google doc in the tools there's a tool called voice typing so it's a dictation software it's great I, you know, I recommend it for students to use who maybe have difficulty spelling or writing. Uh, It's a great feature, but it's great for adults because again, you might just want to jot something down, uh, start a document and you're doing several things. So I feel like it's a great way to save some time.
0: No, that's great. You know, those are the tools I think a lot of times that maybe we don't think about as top of mind, but maybe folks in our classrooms or students that are, of ours can really utilize. So that's a great one to share. I'm definitely going to check that one out, too. Um, and You know, and I, I would probably recommend that for all of our dissertation students as well. You know, when you're trying to uh, get through some of those sections, maybe the the. Um, voice typing might be best for you well before we go we always like to um, allow our guests to kind of let you know ncu students and alumni know where they can connect so um, are there folks where maybe places where folks could connect with you in the digital space as
1: well sure so of course uh, i have an ncu email um, and i also have my home email so my uh, ncu email i believe i would be in a directory And my home email, uh, it's allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-S-Moore, M-O-O-R-E, at msn.com. And I am on Instagram as Moore 35
0: Awesome. Again, we want to thank you, uh, Dr. Moore, for joining us today on uh, another special edition of VESP, Voices from NCU Students and Alumni driving research and practice podcast. Again, for Dr. Moore, I'm Ryan Barnhart uh, from the School of Education. Thanks for joining us.
1: We'll catch you next time.